In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. <coughs> this Gospel of the third Sunday of Patur, taken from Luke chapter 14, uh, fits in well with the last two Sundays where we spoke about the uh, sower going out to sow seeds. But what's important about this is now how do we bring fruit? This idea of discipleship becomes uh, an essential part of Christianity, especially in the Coptic Orthodox Church, the idea of discipleship. We all must be discipled by somebody. This isn't a church where you can take a couple books, uh, take your Bible or take some self-help books and uh, work out your own Christianity or live a Christian life in that way. This is what you'll find at Barnes & Noble or at any bookstore if we go to bookstores anymore. But you'll find there the whole sections of self-help. For us, it's not about self-help, but it's about imitation. What we see in the lives of the saints, in the lives of those who are um, our teachers. Disciples have teachers. And the disciple is the one who gives up his own will for the sake of his master or her master or her, um, the teacher. Typically, you can have a father of confession be one that disciples you. Or um, you can also, for the, I wish we had this, but if there were convents close by, you can also have spiritual mothers for the women, and you can be discipled by them. You can also be discipled by monks. Uh, of course, the father of confession is the one who uh, knows about this as well and is watching this throughout the, throughout the time. Uh, it's essential, for example, now during the Advent season as we've entered into the fast that we all visit our fathers of confession. Uh, we all take whatever practices are given to us very seriously and we work on them as, as diligently as possible. Uh, I've provided for you as well a, a, a challenge to read your Bible throughout this entire fast for those that have more time, you can read your entire Bible. For those of you who have less time, you can read the Old Testament. And for those of you who have even less time, you can focus on just reading uh, the New Testament. The New Testament would take 21 hours to read. I think you can spare 21 hours over the next couple of uh, weeks to read the New Testament. The Old Testament would take 77 hours to read the entire Bible would take about a hundred hours to read. And this I'm just taking from, you know, an audiobook. You can look to see how long it takes and you can listen. For those of you that have long commutes, you can listen to the Bible and you'll be surprised how much you'll finish. Are you going to be able to retain all of it? No, that's not the point, is not to retain all of it and keep all of it, but it is a cleansing for you, it's a cleansing for your ears, for your mind, your soul, and your heart, and it is a way for us to be discipled by the church and by the season. My sermon today, though, I want to give a word about this great saint, Saint John, or Saint Gregory, the Wonder Worker. We mention him in the Gregories, in the, in the, in the um, commemoration of the saints. He's the second one. The first one we say is St. Gregory the Theologian, that's St. Gregory Nazianzus. St. Gregory the Theologian, St. Gregory Nazianzus. 
than St. Gregory the Wonder Worker, or the actual, there's a Greek word that's become an English word, thaumaturgist, thaumaturgist. It's hard to pronounce. It, it, it means somebody who works wonders. It could mean a sorcerer. It could mean somebody who does magic, but here we use it for those who do uh, wonders uh, or, or many miracles. He was somebody who did many miracles uh, during his time. And then the third Gregory, St. Gregory of Armenia. <coughs> there is, <coughs> excuse me, other Gregories like Gregory of Nyssa, who's not uh, commemorated among our saints in, in the commemoration of the saints, but he's a great saint. And a lot of what I'm going to speak to you about is from St. Gregory of Nyssa, uh, his homily on St. Gregory, uh, the, the wonder worker. So um, what I'm taking is from that document which was uh, many hundreds of years ago. St. Gregory of Nyssa is probably 4th century. St. Gregory, the wonder worker, was in the 3rd century. Why, why am I so fascinated by this saint? Because, first off, he grew up as a pagan. He was not Christian. He grew up as a pagan, and he began to study. He studied all the philosophies. He had the best education at that time. And then he went and he studied under Origen. Origen is uh, a scholar. He's not considered a saint in the church, uh, but that's a whole other story. But he was a very great and wonderful scholar and teacher and doctor of the Orthodox of the Universal Church. Uh, he had a few ideas that people didn't like, but for the most part, not only did he teach, but he himself lived a very ascetic life and wishing to die as a martyr. Um, at the end of his life, he was, he was beaten for his faith. Uh, and I think at the end of his life, he died of his wounds. He was somebody who was very important to the school of Alexandria. And later on, he went to Palestine, Caesarea Palestine. And apparently, according to Arsenixarian, that's where he met Gregory the Wonder Worker. Now, St. Gregory the Wonder Worker comes as, an, as a pagan, as somebody who doesn't believe in Christianity at all. And after sitting with Origen, and, and you could say taking courses and studying, uh, he ends up converting to Christianity and being baptized um, into the church. It took many years of his life. But it came as a, as a product of study, as a product of education. And I want to pause here and mention that, you know, what I'm doing, what we're trying to do here at St. John Chrysostom is educate the adults. Educate the adults. Yes, the children are important and will be educated, but the, it'll fall downward. It'll trickle downward. If the adults are living holy Christian lives, the children will live holy Christian lives. Because we're not learning from what we say, we're learning from what we do. And Gregory, St. Gregory, uh, Gregory the Wonder Worker, he, he learned from the action of his master, from the life of his master, he learned this. And he didn't just become a scholar. He did, he was a scholar in his own right. There's many articles and writings that St. Gregory the Wonder Worker wrote, theological writings. He defended the faith in many ways. One, one of the great stories was in trying to defend Paul of Samus, or against in trying to fight against Paul of Samosata and those who were speaking out against the Holy Trinity, he received a vision where St. John the Beloved and the Mother of God appeared to him explaining 
the Trinity. And he wrote that down. And he has a writing on the Trinity, which is very beautiful. But not only was he a scholar, but he was holy and righteous in his life. Holy and righteous in his life. He followed the example first of denying himself, of going into the wilderness, of trying to live a life that he wasn't taking the luxuries and pleasures of the world. Remember, his parents were rich. Remember, he came from a, a very uh, rich upbringing. And he's denying that all. And then he's called to be a bishop. And as a bishop, he's a wonder. He's, he's a person that produces all of these miracles. Now, it was said, um, and I'll, let me talk first about his, his, his miracles. Once he was approached by, uh, you can imagine the embarrassment of this type of a situation. He was approached as he was speaking with a group of people. He was approached by a, a prostitute who told him, you didn't pay me. You didn't pay me. And the prostitute uh, is making a big scene. And he says, I think you're confusing me with somebody else. And she said, no, you are the one. And so she keeps going. He finally says, okay. He says to his disciple, pay her. And so he's paying her. And the second she takes the money, she falls ill. And a demon starts to come out of her. Uh, he prays over her. Uh, and she's restored to her full health and, and believes and repents of her sin. Another time, um, he would come, uh, <coughs> and this is um, also uh, repeated in history many times, but uh, two individuals, one was pretending to be dead, and the other was begging him for money. And so he gives, he gives to them, and then once he leaves, the one who is crying begins to laugh and says, okay, get up now, and finds out, no, he's really dead now. This were the types of miracles that happened, and not because of so much the judgment of God, but this is what brought people to believe. He went into a pagan temple, and the priest of that temple uh, was there, and he cast the demon out of the temple to the extent that the pagan priest could no longer do what he was doing. And so there was a, a little bit of a back and forth between him and the pagan priest, and to prove to him that he had authority over the demon, he told he told the demon to come back, and the demon came back. And to prove to the priest that this man has a higher authority, and that temple was, a, and that priest, again, was converted and, and brought to, to become a part of the church. We heard the story of the two brothers that were fighting over the river, or over the, the water. Um, uh, and they received this inheritance. They could not agree as to how to split it up, and so it dried up, and then they were able to split up the land. And another time, um, I mean, there, there's an, and the final miracle, the one that we talked about where they were at trees. But what was so amazing about Gregory was that he entered this area, which was called Neo-Caesarea, and he, it was said that when he entered, he asked how many... Christians are in the city and they said to him there are only 17 Christians in this city so he comes and he does this great ministry in the city remember he was a convert remember it was through the teachings of origin remember that he had to struggle in his ministry and then finally at his death he asks how many Christians are in the city he says, and it was said to him, there are only 17 pagans left. 
They're only so turned from 17 Christians in the city to only being 17 pagans in the city. This is the remarkableness, and you have to look at the root, where it comes from. It comes from this individual, origin, who taught Christianity to him not only through his words, but through his actions. And from that, changed the life of this individual, so that he became a holy person, he became what, was called, uh, what is called a, a wonder worker, and was able to convert an entire city. Do you see now my emphasis and the importance on adult education? Do you see the importance of what it means or, or how important it is for us ourselves to nourish ourselves spiritually? This is how we change things in the world. This is how we change things in our families and in our homes and in our workspaces. This is how we change things in our communities is through us taking seriously the gospel. And now the story of, of uh, St. Gregory the Wonder Worker and the story of his discipleship at the feet of Origen explains to us today's gospel. Unless a person hates father, mother, wife, or child, brother or sister, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. St. Gregory denies what he, was been, what he had been given and searches out truth and he has to go on his own road. Not something that he saw other people before him do, but he had to be courageous enough to become the disciple of a master, not knowing what was at the end of that road. And it says that he had to bear his cross. It says to us, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You can imagine that Gregory had a lot of tribulations in his life being in a city that only had 17 Christians. And he was the bishop of that city. And it also goes and says, salt is good, but if salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? This is a very difficult passage. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? There's, there is no answer to this question. The salt of the gospel that has been given to you if it loses its flavor in its life, the question remains, how does it become tasty again? How does this, the gospel become influential in your life, right? We have, uh, if you cook any dish, you don't cover the whole thing in salt. You just put a little bit of salt and it flavors the entire dish. A little bit of salt in your life, which comes through the gospel, which comes through discipleship, what comes through the spiritual practices of fasting, of prayer, of giving money to those who are in need, this is the salt that is in your life. But if you lose it, how do you get it back again? Let us not lose it. Let us work very diligently to keep what we have received. And not to just keep what we have received, but to allow it to grow. Allow it to work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. If Abuna says... Not me, another Abuna. Abuna says to you, uh, read your Bible. Listen, take those words to heart. If Abuna says, memorize, memorize them. If Abuna says, you know, fast, then fast. You know, take that, we call, we call our father's father. And for me, I think also personally, on a very personal level, this story resounds with me because uh, my faith came from my spiritual father. My faith and my love for the church came from the one who raised me spiritually. Of course, I had my parents spiritually, but more importantly, 
I had a spiritual father who was in my life constantly. And that cannot be replaced with books. That cannot be replaced with just do-it-yourself uh, studying at home. It has to be together. Today, this month, we can practice. This month, I've given you uh, an assignment to read on the Incarnation. After church, for 10-15 minutes, we're going to discuss it. I'm going to present as much as I can, but if there are anyone that anyone's read it, and why is this book so important? Because so much of the questions of the youth that come up, why, are we why do we exist? Why did God create us? Why did He put uh, the apple or whatever, the fruit in the tree, uh, in the garden so that we could fall? If He knew he was, we were going to fall, why did He allow that to happen? Why didn't He just start over again after the fall? All these questions come up, and it, it's all answered in On the Incarnation. If, even if you haven't read it, stay for a little bit. Allow yourself to, to hear something a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, God willing, we'll end the, the liturgy in time. We're, we're going to be home by 11.30 anyway, if you leave right away. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. But please take this story seriously. Uh, take this, the life of this saint seriously. Take what you hear seriously. And think about this. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If what I hear doesn't have an effect on my life, becomes tasteless, the gospel becomes tasteless in my life, then I'm in a sad situation. Let's take this fast to renew again within us uh, the, the message of the gospel. Let's take this fast seriously to prepare ourselves for the receiving of our Lord Jesus Christ on the Feast of the Nativity. Not only to receive Him on that day, but to allow Him to truly become incarnate within us. Let us take the practices of this church, of a church, and of, our, of confession, and of going to our spiritual fathers seriously. Every one of us has to do it earlier rather than later during this period uh, of the year. Now you know, for those of you that have been here, I'm not one that, that, that you know, the Arabic word, tech, right? I'm not the one to kind of keep hitting you over the head with this thing, you have to confess, you have to confess, you have to confess. I'm treating you like adults that who know they have to confess. I'm reminding you every season when it is important that you should do it. Uh, and then it's up to you whether you do it. I'm, the, the effect is going to be in your life. The effect is going to be in your home. The effect is going to be with those around you. You will see it. You will see it yourself. May the prayers of this great saint, uh, Saint Gregory, the theologian, and also may the blessings of this gospel and of discipleship and of carrying our cross be in our lives. May we be able to carry our cross daily and follow our Savior. May He strengthen us in our Christian life to do all that is pleasing to Him. May He accept our fasting and our prayers, and may He guide us to the prayers of also St. John Chrysostom, and of the Holy Mother of God, St. Mary, whose commemoration we uh, remember today. May God be glorified in our lives, now and ever, and to age of all ages. Amen.